Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Petko Stoyanov and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, here with my co-host, Petko Stoyanov. We're picking back up with Dimitri, Senior Director of Cyber Threat Intelligence at BlackBerry, for part two of our conversation on the science behind threat intelligence. So without further ado, let's get to the point. So you mentioned earlier command and control, and some you know some things are coming in through LinkedIn. Something you know, so if you receive a job offer, you know potentially a CV or a request for a CV in a Word document. I'm curious, like what? What uh, what can you talk about the threats that malicious websites pose to certain users? And is there any recourse for people who have devices that have been infected? Like one is, what's the how do you prevent it early on? And the other question would be, what can we do to stop you know after you're infected? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the let's say like the latest trend, especially for the cybercrime ads, it's not even about using like exploits, it's about using a malicious PDF file with a social engineer inviting you to click on something else to get the document or to unlock the document. It usually it's like it can be a blue document in PDF, so it says like, oh yeah, that, that is a protected content, you know, to, to unlock it, just click here, you click it, it takes you to the website, another website, and where it's like already, it says like, okay, input your password. So they steal uh, the threat actors, they might steal your password or they invite you, okay, to unlock this document, you need a software, it's a security software, which uh, works uh, in a safe way with the, uh, this document. So you, you, like the victim explicitly installs it, like thinking it's, it's safe, it's uh, to improve security, it's to, you know, to do something for, for the good. Um, that is uh, like usually like how it happens. And uh, same, you know, for Windows users, like social engineering, it still works because it's cheap. Uh, the 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 investment cost is so low. It just and with usage of ChatGPT-like uh, artificial intelligence modules, you can write really good texts, like really convincing. You know, like appealing to the bottom of the heart or to the to the bottom of you know brain, and like making people click. Dimitri, you said one of my favorite words, ChatGTP. I don't know if it's a word <laughs> or two words, but I, you know, it's I've, I know there's folks who use it for code development and things like that. But you're pointing out that they're using it now to refine the message to be more grammatically correct, so it's harder to tell, right? Yes. Are you are you seeing adversaries using AI, and what are some examples of how they're using it? If you can go down to that level. Yes. Uh, so first, we have seen like automation in terms of uh, you know writing like certain, let's say like modules of the implants, especially when the the structure of the attack is complex. So that is about automating. That is about okay, uh, give me an idea or show me this, uh, tell me that. Um, it, it's it's been used by several threat actors so far, uh, cyber financially motivated threat actors, and also some of uh, uh, targeted attack threat actors. Um, and yes, of course, it's for for uh, social engineering campaigns as well. So uh, online banking, you know, those um, services like online delivery services, uh, online payment, it's all about that. So for the threat actor, they, they just provide like very basic information. Okay, write a, an email, 
or text to someone who lives in Miami and uh, he's originally is from Russia but also he speaks Spanish language and English language so right and he's a user of that bank or like uh, you know that financial institution write a text to convince the person to accept an offer like a very attractive offer for that person uh, so uh, he may accept it so for chat GPT it's not any abuse it's just like oh that is legitimate to use it's like uh, yeah it's about business it's like yeah I can write it for you and you get the text and it's perfect and then it's just like you change the one word or one expression like by through like um, hyperlink right so you insert a malicious link behind those words and say like okay so do it Dimitri accept it it's it's real it's it's for you that is a custom offer for you my friend and uh, the you know success rate is so high for the attackers in this mm. case especially if they know what bank you're at right yeah <laughs> exactly exactly yeah uh, I, I definitely i think i've seen the the context or content getting massively increased that we're seeing overseas and coming back to us is all more targeted uh, it's it's so you've been doing cyber threat intelligence for what almost 20 years or so in this field now your current role is senior director at blackberry tell me what kind of research is blackberry doing in cyber threat intelligence yes so it's something new we just started it when i came to blackberry about a year ago uh we um put that as a goal you know to have a service called silence intelligence and this is what we do so we do um intelligence we have three tiers of intelligence one is just like informational so it's essential it's about you know telemetry just basic visibility so uh that is for those who want to know, like in general what's going on in the world i just want to know advanced and pro so pro it's a full it's uh it, it has it all like all the levels we we just discussed in the beginning so uh, all uh, four lay, um, roles in the companies, they can use it to for SOC, to defend, to respond, to make a strategy. That information is very useful also for when you are working on a threat module. When you need to build a real threat module, so how you do that? So it's based on the adversaries, weapons, how they use it, why they use it, so what's next? So that is, that is what we do. And again, it's not only just you know like um, like a notifications, high level notifications. It's about low level technical information as well, uh, explained in details about how it's working exactly. It's, it's it includes from reversing of malicious code to creation of um, applied countermeasure rules so you can use them and of course providing context even like um, sometimes it's analysis about the events let's say we have seen this attack but why and when you go and check this same week or two weeks before or one month before you saw like uh, geopolitically where there was something something happened someone told something so someone did something so that attack was the result of a con concrete specific action uh, because of, I don't know, politicians, they did something. And that, that is what we do. So we don't want to um, produce reports like purely technical, you know, just technical. We have to understand that politics, politics define geopolitics and also the threat landscape. 
the attacks, they don't exist just because someone doesn't have anything to do in life. Uh, that is about achieving specific goals, military goals, diplomatic goals, um, cyber espionage. It's all about that. Now, Dimitri, you were before BlackBerry, you were over at Kaspersky doing global research and Latin and anal- analysis for Latin America. How has your role changed from Kaspersky to BlackBerry? I've been for, uh, by that time. I used to focus like mostly on Latin America and also countries speaking um, Spanish language or similar languages like Portuguese and Italian. So. Uh, my focus was mostly about that. And of course, when we speak about Latin America, it's financially motivated malware in 99%. And sometimes you have APTs like APTC 36, Machete, um, some others. But it's 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 not like that, that much about targeted attacks. It's about ransomware. It's about Trojan bunkers. It's about ATM malware. It's about POS malware. It's about phishing. It's about uh, Android ransomware. Uh, Android sorry, uh, rats remote access tools. So that is your like world. It's more about like tracking those threat actors and you work on that. Now, uh, while at BlackBerry, of course, it's it's all about it's it's everything. It's not just I don't focus uh, on LATAM only or financially motivated only attacks, but also all sort of threat actors in all parts of the world. I'd love to get your take, given that you went from very region-specific to very global now. Given that you have this global view, who's out, who are your top two most sophisticated threat actors or most active threat actors? I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. Right. Um, so it depends like who, who uh, where you live, right? And why? Because uh, your threat actors will be different. So if you live, let's say, in Ecuador, uh, it's highly unlikely to think that a Western country will target you. It can happen. It depends, again, on the geopolitics, but you got to be like facing more regional, uh, you know, threats. But in general, when we speak about sophistication and like, um, let's say, professional operations, of course, it's... Uh, I would say it's uh, U.S., it's uh, Great Britain, uh, it's Israel. For me, it's like this is the top three. It's like the best, you know, they, it's like really the best. And then, yeah, you have China. It's also uh, certain groups, Chinese groups are really like noisy. And most of them, you know, like plugins, cluster, it's just like you will see it everywhere all the time. Uh, but some, they're really, you know, like very, very... Um, professional targeted even with the members those groups are, they don't live even in china they live they can live here in the united states canada they can live in europe so they are citizens of of western countries but they do operate for the for china in this case so those operations also are very sophisticated very interesting um it used to be also you see like uh, everybody's speaking about russia and uh, you know like all the attacks like Russia has been launching for the last years. But at the same time, we have so many OPSEC fails they have committed. It's like every day now it's like, okay, we know who you are. You know, we know your ops. So we are dist- destroying this like the, la- the latest one, the, the snake. You remember, it was also very interesting that um, uh, it was announced, you know, disruption operation was announced on May, May in 9. And May 9, it's uh, in Russia, it's uh, the day of uh, the victory in the Second Great War. War. So it was like uh, some sort of 
I'm going to announce it like on the day, like the victory for you. But in reality, we know who you are, you know how you work, and we have just destroyed your network infrastructure, by the way. It's become very politically motivated, sounds like, you know. Absolutely, yes, yes. It's uh, the, the the most uh, the the attacks were the highest profile in the cyberspace. It's uh, yeah, it's about nation state attacks, of course. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I've, we've had folks on here talking about Ukraine and others that were telling us that you know when Russia invaded Ukraine, it got pretty noisy before and after. Have you seen the same level of? I, I, given what what's going on in Ukraine, are you still seeing activities from Russia, or are they more or less? Increased or decreased prior to the Ukraine invasion? Uh, increased, and those campaigns are ongoing. And we have, uh, like, especially like the number of attacks we we see, like, very active, very high, like, you know, back to back, back to back. It's a uh, gamma redon. Also, some they call it like primitive bear. Uh, very noisy, um, like using, you know, even like Telegram to exfiltrate or to connect, you know, to to provide instructions as a C two. Um, it's a, and Telegram, it's a very popular messenger in Ukraine and Russia, so it's hard to spot it like as a malicious traffic. And at the same time, Romcom. Romcom, it's a, it's a weird name. I don't like that name, but it's a, it was mistakenly attributed publicly as a, as a like cybercrime associated family because it was found on the same machines previously infected by Cuba ransomware. In my opinion, it is not connected to cybercrime as we know it. It's uh, because of the targets, because of the information it steals, uh, because of uh, timelines, also like overlapping with uh, like very, very specific events in terms of uh, around the, uh, the war in Ukraine. That is not about any financially motivated attacks. It's about, it's, it's 100% about stealing intelligence. Uh, from uh, military unions, uh, intelligence information from uh, local authorities like cities, and now it's targeting Western countries. So it is not about financial motivations at all. And uh, those two, they've been super active since the beginning. And of course, like others, groups like uh, launching, you know, DDoS attacks, hacking websites, and so on. It's a noisy world out there, and you're it's, you're definitely operating the tip of the spirit. I'd love to get an idea if you can tell our audience like how you got started in cyber more personally than you know where you are now. But like, how did you get started in the cybersecurity space, and what sparked your interest? Well, by that time it was a, a little weird because even like no careers, you know, to study it was like engineering or mathematics, and that's it. Um, and yeah, they also teach us like to, you know, to, to develop, to be a developer or a network administrator, but nothing like a, a real about security. So I, I, I just took my first step by myself. So learning from others, you know, asking questions, playing with uh, low level debuggers, hacks, editors, nothing fancy, but it was still like cool because, you know, you go to the disk, you look how it looks like, I don't know, master boot record. You can change ASCII's, you know, just through strings a little bit. So that was uh, um, in DOS, it was uh, MS-DOS. 3.11, like <laughs> the very first one, like I, I played with, and then yeah, developing skills little by little, you know, and finally, like we're here. Well, I think I remember Windows 3.1. I'm trying to remember DOS 3.11. That was 
that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By that time, it was a just different school and uh, like pure commands, you know, installing um, Northern Commander. Of course, it was the, oh, yeah. it was the best. It's like, fantastic, you know. <laughs> but you've had a wide variety of roles in IT security. Like, what's been the most challenging and why? I believe, you know, while you are a defender, when you defend, when not a researcher, because it's easier to be a researcher, it's not t- targeting about you. Uh, you just go and you know you find operations in the wild, you analyze them, you produce reports. It's cool. So you stay like in a very safe zone. But it's different when you have to defend something, even if you have knowledge, even if you know how how the threat actors operate. And so, uh, I remember when I used to work for a financial institution. Uh, fortunately, by that time. It was not about the attacks we see today, but thinking about those guys defending, you know, with a variety of vulnerabilities and uh, different tactic techniques and procedures used, like for initial access, lateral movement, everything, exfiltration. That is the most challenging, challenging role. Like it, like the reason, like on planet, because if something goes bad, it will be super notorious and. Uh, I think for me it was also like more or less by that time was uh, like defending defending that financial institution. Yeah, it, it's Dimitri. I'm kind of thinking through the conversation here, and it's it's kind of obvious if you have a mindset of you want to understand how things work. If you're curious, being kind of like a researcher or an analyst is a great position because you get to play with things, break it up, and then you know write a report on how it works and or or use that information to inform other things on how to make them better in some ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, that is it's all about learning and I'm a fan like I really you know support self self teaching, self studying. How can you do that? Get the tools first. Get like tools you need. Let's say you want to learn about reversing. All right. So what you need probably either pro free uh, Gaidra. Now we have Gaidra. It's uh, it's free. Just take it. Uh, there are other tools if you can invest a bit also to find a, like um, Binary Ninja. Um, for quick triage and uh, Malcat, I love Malcat. It's just, you know, when, when you're a virus analyst, it's just like, it has it all. You just go there. I love Hue, H-I-E-W. It's uh, still, you know, from like uh, Northern Commander style, Fire Manager, Fire Manager. It, that's one of the things I will install like first when I, when I prepare my machine. Um, yeah, some debuggers, some packers, and next step, of course, like if you got it all, okay, how to learn. Um, find a blog. Someone wrote, well written, with details. You know, screenshots, details, explanation, and just follow it. Get the sample, same sample. It tried to to get to those points. Try to to find how 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 can I find it with my tools? Like, okay, here it speaks about the I don't know encryption or about exfiltration. But find it in your computer, like using IDA, using Guide or whatever. Just get to this that same point and go till the end. So it's a, some sort of like a hands-on exercise. But of course, with the tips and tricks, with a public uh, blog post like, where already everything is explained. But just follow the steps. So I believe it's a, it's a good good thing. 
you know, you know, you've worked in a lot of different industries. I'd love to get your advice on like individuals or organizations. What should they be doing? I mean, you mentioned a couple of things that you do if you want to research, but as a someone who wants to be security conscious, what are things that you should be doing in your day to day life that most are not for individuals and for organizations? Yeah, I've seen that unfortunately uh, there are more and more professionals who are some sort of like high level professionals. So they're certified product specialists and they essentially, if the product is quiet, it says like no attacks, everything is cool, you know, they blindly believe in it. I mean, this is like a full trust. So that is a very comfortable zone. However, it's not the truth, like it's not the reality. So my advice for, for to, to those who work with those great products we have on the market, it doesn't matter the brand, is to keep working on low level things. You know, uh, just play with the samples, try to see, you know, make a lab, see like th things not on the console or graphic user interface, but also what's happening in the back, you know, play with the traffic, try to see what like new, new things, like new um, development, like everything new, what's happening. So be up to date, not just by the news, not just, oh, you know, run, there's a new ransomware strange family. Go and analyze that, get the sample, open it, try to see how it's working. So stay on top, like be sharp, you know, not just like I'm a, I'm a certified professional in that product line. Dimitri, you're talking about just be curious and, and be, be cautiously suspicious about technology. Because I, I remember when I was working on SOC and we had a SIM and we'd write the, we were getting so much data and so many alerts that we'd write rules to say, let, ignore this, ignore that, and eventually, we we're only focusing on one yeah. percent. We're missing potentially seventy percent because we didn't have the ability to go after all of it. But our sim was tuned to only look at the one percent problem <laughs> and yes. miss the other ninety-nine percent, if you will, because it was noise or it wasn't important. But we could have automated it years ago. But it's you know sometimes you can overtune, and then you look at the tool. Oh, there's no alerts. Yes. But at the same time, you need to double check and maybe test your environment and you know be suspicious. What are we missing and where? Because you might have overtuned it. Yeah, the context, right? It's it's about the context. Sometimes uh, you can hear like it's a pretty common conversation. So how many feeds do you have? How many hashes do you can you pass me every day? <laughs> it's like, come on, we have a this industry is producing now more hashes, more IPs, more URLs than anybody can even analyze. <laughs> so it's not about the number, it's about context. And uh, so look, we should look into those things we know which are like interesting for us because of the threat actor, because I'm in the industry, he's attacking all in the country. So to pay attention only to those things which are relevant to me. So I can really build like an effective defensive strategy, the, the effective threat module. And if not, it's yeah, it's a, it's it, you can't handle it. Dimitri, thank you so much. I mean, I, I've learned a lot in just thinking through your career. I mean, where can our listeners, you know, follow your work and get in touch with you? Thank you very much, Petko. And likewise, it's my pleasure. And yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Mastodon and uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always open like to, to any conversation, even like private conversation, my DMs are open. So any, I'm, I'm usually accepting all the invitations on LinkedIn <laughs> because I assume probably the person will like 
ask me something, they need something. So unless it's like a super weird, I see it's weird. I see it's like, no, I'm not accepting it. But yeah, so welcome. Well, maybe from a tools, techniques and procedures, it's, it's worth accepting all and then seeing how they react and what they do. And, you know, uh, yes, the bot uh, to interface with all of them, it sounds like. No. Thanks, Dimitri, for your time today. And uh, any, any, are there any closing thoughts, you know, you want to share or anything else we missed? I think we covered so much around threat intelligence, juice jacking. Uh, you know, I'm sure we could have talked about blue jacking and everything else, too. <laughs> Yeah, I see, like, today, even, like, anyone can be a target. We know it. Yeah, even, like, if you work in cybersecurity or not, it's a, it's a matter of motivation and circumstances. Sometimes circumstances also may define, like, okay, you're a target. So, uh, yeah, as long as, like, time passes, I see that threat intelligence, uh, cyber threat intelligence, is, uh, it's, uh, it's more and more, like, needed. It's a must. So, essentially, we all need to, to have... Uh, threat intelligence because otherwise it's like how to protect yourself just what what will be the guide so that's my message I guess like yeah. for I, I, I guess if I could summarize it from just our conversation it's stay curious context is king and you know stay connected to what's important in terms of your technology don't just trust it right right you know uh, this has been invaluable. Thank you so much, Dimitri, for your time today. Uh, this has been Rachel Line and Petko Stianov bringing you another episode of To The Point. Remember to stay informed, stay secure, and always stay ahead of the ever-changing threat landscape. Until next time. Thanks for joining us for the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher.